Hello, and welcome to Scripted Design. My name is Oli Palmer, and I'm going to be here over the next eight weeks, piping my voice into your ears with exercises and activities designed to help you become more creative through constraints. This is the first of the podcast episodes which will guide you through this course. As such, this episode is going to be a little longer than the others, but it contains all the information you'll need to see if this course is right for you, so please bear with me. Please note that all podcast episodes on this course are transcribed on the course website, which is at sd.ollipalmer.com. If you would rather read than listen, or if you'd like to use a translator to change what I'm saying into another language, please go to the website. Everything I'm saying right now is right there. There's a link in the show notes. That website again is sd.ollipalmer.com sd.ollipalmer.com The topics I'm going to cover in this introduction episode are About this course What is this course? What's it about? How can you take it? And who's teaching it? What skills will you learn? What goals do you have? Setting your expectations How much time and what equipment do you need? What can you expect to make in the course? How will that help your creative practice in the future? We'll also have an introduction to the theory behind this course. I want to point out here that this course is mostly practical. It's mostly about doing exercises and producing work, getting your creativity flowing. But it's based on real research. And if you want to find out more on that, there'll be links in the show notes. There's a whole website with resources. And you can always get in touch with me to ask me a question. Okay. Then let's begin. My name's Oli Palmer, I'm an artist, I have a design background, and I also make films. I teach at the Master Institute of Visual Culture at St. Eus School of Art and Design in the Netherlands. This course is a module that students from the Situated Design, the Ecology Futures, and the Visual Arts and Post-Contemporary Practice Master's course can take in their first year. But it's not just them that can take this course. I'm passionate about open access education so I've made this course open in podcast and website form so that anyone with a device that connects to the internet can find this podcast and the website and do the activities in their own time. If you're a student at MIVC enrolled in the module, there are also weekly meetups where we'll critique each other's work and do additional exercises together. I will also post the exercises and most of the results of them on the website. But no matter where you're from, if at any time you find yourself stuck with any of the activities, if you don't understand something, if you want to offer some criticism or suggestion for improvement, or perhaps you're happy and enjoyed an exercise, or you made something you're really proud of, please just reach out. There are several ways to get in touch. There is a link in the show notes of every episode to leave a voice message for the show. Every now and then I put out a bonus episode with these voice messages compiled together, and it's really nice to hear what the voices of people who are taking this course sound like. You can also contact me via Twitter, at underscore Ollie Palmer, and I have a dedicated WhatsApp for teaching this kind of course. All of those are linked to in the show notes. Of course, you could also send me an email, but I would advise against it. I will definitely be quicker to respond in another way. So, let's talk about the course. This is the description from the course website. I'll go through what I mean by all of the elements after reading it out briefly. 
This course aims to immerse students in the processes and techniques of film-based visual storytelling, whilst introducing students to Alepian-inspired constrained design processes. Throughout the course, students make a series of short films guided by rules that they create. Over time, both rules and films increase in length and complexity. This course is taught via podcasts which contain creative exercises and classes which are taught online. All podcast episodes are also transcribed so they can be read as well as listened to. So, the course is about film-based visual storytelling. That's clear enough. We'll be using film as a medium to express ideas. That means you'll need something to make films with. A big fancy movie camera or DSLR is great, but I actually recommend that you use a smartphone for this course, and I will tell you why. You're going to be shooting a lot of short films over the next few weeks. You'll be shooting at least one shot per day. The way you'll be shooting is going to be fast, not spending a lot of time preparing, but using simple constraints to capture interesting things. A smartphone is probably the best way to do this, because, let's face it, you always have it in your pocket anyway. It's right there, and when you have an idea, you can just reach down and shoot something. You might be using that same phone right now to listen to this podcast or read the website. Well, that is great, because you have a camera right there built in. But one thing to be aware of is that we will be shooting a lot of footage as well as using the phone to record voice notes. And that means that you need some space on your camera to save videos, and a little bit less for the audio stuff. If that's a problem, and your phone is always running out of storage, there are a couple of solutions. For MIVC students, this won't be a huge problem. We'll be storing our files on a shared Google Drive, and on the website page for each episode of this podcast, there will be an Upload Files button. Just use that. But if you're not at MIVC, there are other free options. One is that you can upload all of your footage to an online storage provider, like Google Drive or Dropbox or any of the other providers. You can keep it there until you need it, and then download it to your computer when it's time to edit. Often there's a free tier for all those platforms which will provide more than enough storage for this course. Google Photos also works on iOS and Android, and it will automatically back up all of the photos and videos you shoot, if you don't mind them hoovering up all your personal data too. You can also use something like the YouTube Studio app to upload immediately. If you set your default preferences to private, you won't have to share all your videos with the world. But the crucial part of any online storage you use is that you should be able to download the files later for editing. There's a list of recommended apps and workflows on the resources page of the Scripted Design website, which I keep updated as I become aware of new apps and new ways of working which are coming out all the time. So, whilst you'll be shooting videos on your phone, I really recommend that you use a computer to edit your videos. There are some great video editing apps for phones, but there's still an element of control that computer-based video editing apps offer. I personally use Adobe Premiere Pro to edit videos, but there are also free and open source apps. DaVinci Resolve is free and very good. Again, look on the resources page of the website for a list of these. If you know of or you find anything that's better than what I'm recommending, let me know and I'll include it in the future. I want this to be as open and inclusive as possible. But I'm only going to provide instructions on this course for Adobe Premiere and DaVinci Resolve. So if you're brand new to video editing and you've not done it before, use one of those apps because there will be instructions the whole way through. I don't want to impose a whole load of new burdens on you, but I do recommend that you start a new physical notebook for this course. You'll be doing at least one creative writing task per podcast episode, and it's really useful to be able to look back and see your ideas develop in one place. 
Of course, you can use whatever you feel comfortable to write with, whatever makes it easier for you. A notebook, a computer, voice notes, a pen, paper, post-its, whatever it is. But if you're physically able to write in a notebook, I really do recommend it. I can type faster than I write, so when I'm writing on paper, I'm placing some sort of arbitrary limit on how much I can produce. When I write on a computer, I'm really tempted to go back and edit what I've written and copy and paste stuff and move it all around. But when I'm using paper, I can't edit it, which means I have to stick with a train of thought, and that takes me to strange and unexpected places. I also personally like to write on the cheapest notepads I can find. Small, yellow, legal pads, because it gives me a feeling that I'm adding value to the paper just by doing something to it. I become less precious with what I'm doing, I'm more able to throw new ideas onto a page, and I've used very fancy, expensive, brand-name notebooks in the past with lovely paper, and whenever I've used them, I've felt inhibited, and i felt that if I made a mistake, if I've written something silly, if I've drawn a bad picture or spilt coffee on the notebook, I've ruined it. I felt like I'm doing something wrong. I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want you to uh, have to buy fancy notebooks to feel like you're doing good stuff. This course is about feeling creatively free, being able to express whatever you need to express within a set of constraints with no consequences. You're going to be doing 24 free writing exercises, which will produce work that only you see. Some of that will be good. Some of that, I guarantee, will be bad. If you create something good, that is great. You can develop it more. If you create something bad that you're not proud of, it really doesn't matter at all. You'll make mistakes, you will make things you are not happy with, but you'll also make things that surprise you, and you'll have thoughts and ideas that seem to come from nowhere. You'll find yourself reading your work back at some point and think, where did that come from? You'll also produce a body of work, mostly films. Again, these may be good, they may be bad. I'm more interested in the process that you use and the outcome of these exercises. I hope you create work that you're proud of on this course, but more than that, I hope that you find some techniques that you can use in the future to bring into your existing practice to make more work. So, let's talk about course structure. On this course, there are eight weeks of podcasts with three episodes per week. This episode you're listening to now is a long episode because it contains all of the information about the course, but each normal episode takes around 15 to 20 minutes to listen to, and some of them set a brief that takes you a bit more time to complete. If you haven't made videos before, the most intense weeks will be week number two, where you start editing videos for the first time, and the final two weeks of the course, where there are more open-ended activities open to your interpretation. And, if you're worried about editing videos, please don't be. I'll try to take you through as best as I can, starting with simple things and setting incrementally more complex tasks as we go on. There are step-by-step -step guides to all of this stuff on the website, so please just refer back to that. As a rough guide for your time, students from MIVC are expected to put six and a half hours per week outside of classes into a module like this one. Of course, if you're listening outside MIVC, you can do this course as quickly or as slowly as you like. But students at the Master Institute, you'll have to listen to the podcast episodes and do the exercises before we meet on a Friday. There is a timetable of when the episodes will be released, including all of the term dates and when there are classes which are all listed on the website. The way this course is structured, you're going to have a daily film to make, which shouldn't take you more than a few minutes. I expect you to do this every single day to build up a good body of work. 
It sounds like a lot, but it really won't take very long and it will pay off in the end with your final project. It really should take you about a minute to make your film every single day, so it's not a big ask. And you can build it into your daily routine. And then there are three podcasts per week to listen to, each of which is about 15 to 20 minutes long. Each of the podcasts contains a few elements. We will start with a timed writing task designed to free you up for creative thought. That has a timer built into the podcast so that you don't have to pause your listening. So I'll say, here's your writing prompt, then I'll give you five minutes of blank space, then you hear a sound and you can stop. After that, I will give you another exercise to do, which might be writing, it might be drawing, it might be shooting video, or it could be anything else. By the end of the course, you will have produced more than 50 very short films which we're going to combine into one structured video. You'll also have made an experimental short film combining subjects that you choose and techniques that you develop, plus about 10 other short films, audio pieces and so on, using footage that you're going to shoot and using archival footage. Plus, of course, there are the 24 writing tasks from the podcast. So you're going to come out of this with a whole body of work. It should be really fun. It's designed to be enjoyable, sometimes a bit silly, sometimes a bit serious. But rest assured, I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. And I just want to point out that this is stuff that I actually do myself, so I'm not setting these arbitrary exercises for you to follow that I would never do. This is all stuff that is part of my creative practice, part of my artistic output that I want to share with people. So I'm also going to make notes on all of the exercises that we do in our MIVC classes. Remember, those are the classes that only students from the Master's Institute can take. But I'm going to put them on the Situated Design website as well. So you can see notes from all of the classes from last year already on the website, as well as work that students produced in the final exhibition they curated, which we put on at a gallery called V2 Institute for the Unstable Media in Rotterdam last year. This year's cohort will be exhibiting in a different way than a physical exhibition, for obvious reasons, but we're going to be performing our work as publicly as possible. So, that's the structure of the course. Eight weeks of podcasts, three podcasts per week. You'll end up with a lot of work, and hopefully some new ways of working. Now, let's talk about the ideas behind this course. In the description, I mentioned the Alipo and constrained design exercises. This course is called Scripted Design. So what does that actually mean? Well, perhaps I could start by telling you a bit about where this course comes from. The course itself is a practical manifestation of research from my PhD. I mentioned earlier that I'm an artist. One of the things I'm really interested in is the role that constraint plays in creative processes. In particular, I'm interested in ideas that are bound up with the idea of a script or a set of instructions to be followed. You're probably used to hearing the word script in one of the following contexts. There are, of course, computer scripts, which are sets of instructions for computers to follow, which generally result in processing information somehow. Uploading a file to a website, uh, crunching a video to make it a different format, something like that. Then, of course, there are performance scripts, the sort that you'd use in the production of a film or a play. In fact, like the very sort of script I'm reading from right now. These are also sets of instructions. Who has to say what and when? Who has to enter or exit the stage? What the stage should look like? Sometimes they contain lighting cues or directions for how a camera should move or all sorts of instructions. Then there's the idea of scripture, a set of rules defined by a divine entity or their worldly representatives which determine how people should live in accordance with their faith. Then there are what's known as psychological scripts, an idea that comes from psychologists and artificial intelligence researchers in the 1960s. 
The rough idea here is that we as humans in society develop a series of scripts or set of procedural behaviours that we follow when we're in different contexts. So when you go to a restaurant and order a meal, you'll probably know the rough order that things happen in. You'll probably know that there'll be someone to serve you the food, they'll probably show you to a table, you'll probably choose your food from a menu, and so on and so on. If somebody does something off script, say the server brings you a shoe instead of your meal, you'd immediately realise something was wrong. So scripts, roughly speaking, are sets of instructions. They imply varying levels of freedom to interpret. Some theatrical scripts, for example, define exactly what should be on the stage, and some are really vague. The scripture within some religions define exactly what foodstuffs can and can't be mixed or eaten or not eaten, whilst others make do with really vague directions for how to live a sanctified life. Computer scripts are perhaps the most restrictive of all, because unlike humans, computers are really bad at understanding context and language. Computers follow scripts, but they really don't understand what they're doing when they do it. Actors follow scripts. Let's hope they understand how to interpret them to make us feel things. And we, as members of society, follow scripts every day, but most of them are so deeply ingrained that we don't really question them. So, how can these ideas of scripts become part of a design process? I'm not going to talk about computer scripts in this course, particularly. If you tuned in because you wanted to hear about grasshopper extensions or Python scripting or anything like that, I am sorry to disappoint you. But you'll have to look elsewhere. I do enjoy computer scripting. I've made all sorts of computer-generated art projects using scripting languages, but that's not what this course is about. This course is about realising, embracing, and taking control of constraints in creative processes. Over the eight weeks of this podcast series, you'll follow more and more complex sets of scripts, which I'll start out by giving you, and which eventually you'll make yourself. At the very least, you'll have tried a lot of new ways of working. The idea of constraint methods in design is also something that's crucial to my own creative practice. I take my inspiration for this from a group called the Alipo, or the Au Revoir de Literature Potentielle, which translates from French as the Workshop of Potential Literature. The Alipo was founded by a group of writers, mathematicians, computer programmers, and more, who believed, like I do, that constraints breed creativity. In everyday life, our work is bounded by constraints all the time. You might only have a limited amount of time, and a limited budget, for example, or perhaps you have a tiny cramped studio that you work in, or perhaps, like me for many years, perhaps you don't have a studio to work in at all. Or maybe even your computer's slow, or you can't hold a pen for more than a few minutes at a time, or nobody takes your work seriously, or you don't feel you know enough about a certain subject, or you feel you can't paint or draw or write or make as well as other people, whatever else. We all face limitations in the way that we go about our work, but we usually see them as something that is in opposition to us creating things. The Alipo embraces limitations. It actively seeks out new limits that will change the shape and form of its work. The writer Georges Perec, for example, wrote an entire 300-page novel without using a single letter E. When it was translated to English, it was called A Void, the title referring to both the way that he avoided the letter E and that there was a void in the book, something that just felt missing because we're so used to that E being there in our language. Another Alipian, Raymond Quinault, wrote a book called Exercises in Style, which we're going to use as inspiration in week five of this course. He wrote a story, a rather mundane anecdote about being on a bus, seeing an altercation, and later seeing someone ask for advice about a button, but he wrote it 99 times, again and again, each time in a different style. That anecdote, that tiny story, it became a thriller, a mystery, a portrait, an allegory, a haiku, a free verse, and so on and so forth. Reading that book, you become more aware of the differences between stories and the conventions within genre than the story itself. 
There are modern writers who use constraints like the Alipo too. The writer and poet Ross Sutherland uses numerous constraints in his writing, including an audio version of Exercises in Style. It's called Me Versus the Spa, and it's available on his podcast, Imaginary Advice, which I really recommend. It's a great podcast. He's also written an entire play that's a palindrome. That is, the second half contains the same lines as the first half of the play, but they're just played back backwards. Just a note, I also made a performance with a palindromic text myself, an experimental dance at the Paris Opera in 2016 called Scriptic, where the lines were just the same but backwards, but it made sense in the context. There are also many writers who've been influenced by the Alipo, who also like creating boxes to break out of, to play with the interplay of form and content. But more than just being a creative act, Alipian constraints can become critical tools too. As the writer and poet Harriet Mullen writes, Alipo was useful to me because its members not only invented new kinds of literary structures and devices, but also had investigated all kinds of artifice in literature dating back to ancient texts. The most liberating aspect of Alipo for me was their demystification of inspiration in favour of potential literature. This puts less stress on writing as the product and more emphasis on writing as a process that might result in a work of literature. So there, Mullen is a writer, she's writing about writing. She's saying that Alipian techniques can be used to generate work, but also that the constraints lead to an understanding of the structures that make literature what it is, the structure of genres, the form that it takes. Okay, so you might be thinking, that's great for writers and writers who write about writing, and readers who read writers who are writing about writing, and all of the writing that they write. But why are we talking about this on a design course? Well, let me answer. Writing is one tool that we'll be using to explore ideas, but we're also going to be using constraints in design processes to make films and audio through the exercises that you'll hear three times a week on this podcast. In my own practice, I actively seek, make, and use constraints to limit the possibilities of my own work, but also to gain more control over that work. I see these constraints as a critical tool, a way of moulding the environment that the work was created in into the work. My hope is that through taking this course, you will also start to see constraints as liberating, that you'll also embrace them as a critical tool, and that you'll be better equipped to work with rather than against any pre-existing constraints that you face. In any case, working with deliberate constraints you create, as well as acknowledging the ones you can't control, will make you more conscious of the methods you're using to create your work. I want to point out here that this course is hugely inspired by another podcast course called The Couch to ATK Writing Bootcamp by the writer Tim Clare. If you want to start writing in any serious or even in a playful way, Tim's podcast is an absolutely great way to start. I've been recommending that course to students for a while and every student who's taken it has produced great work as a result, as well as feeling really positive about their own other creative pursuits. I can't recommend it enough. There's a link in the show notes here. I'd like to finish by making some rules that I think will help you succeed on this course. These are also on the Scripted Design website, but they are a general ethos of the course. So number one, we're going to shoot in 16 to 9 landscape format. You can edit your footage into other formats later, but please start in this format. This is the default format for shooting in a phone, but it just means that you have to hold it horizontally rather than vertically. So wide shots, widescreen. 
Number two, we write, shoot, and edit fast. We're not precious about showing our work to other people or the work in progress. We acknowledge it's not going to be perfect and that constructive criticism will make it better. Number three, we're going to make something small every single day. It doesn't have to be great, it just has to be made. Number four, we're going to share our work with each other, find ways to communicate with one another and find out what we think. Number five, rules help us make things. Number six, if in doubt, make. Think through the making. Number seven, ask for feedback. Ask colleagues, peers, friends. Asking for and giving feedback is one of the best things you can do creatively, mostly because it forces you to formulate ideas and explain things in a way which makes sense for other people. So, ask for feedback. Give feedback. So that's it. We're nearing the end of this first introduction episode. Welcome to Scripted Design. If you've listened this far, it sounds like you're probably in for the long haul. I hope you like the sound of this course, particularly if you signed up at MIVC, because let's face it, it's too late for you to change the module now. But if you're joining us from within MIVC, or you're joining us from anywhere else, welcome in, and I hope you enjoy yourself. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you make and how you make it. Welcome.